0: All right, y'all know the drill. It's that time of the week where we unpack a week's worth of news from around H-Town. Joining me today are producer A.K. al and editor at Outsmart Magazine, Olivia Flores Alvarez. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. I'm Dina Kispet and this is CityCast Houston. All right, Olivia, AK, are y'all ready to talk news? Yes, ma'am. Yes. All right, let's start with you, Olivia. What do you think was the biggest story in Houston this week?
1: Um, I think the biggest story for me was that uh, the pandemic is over. Nobody told me. <laughs> and uh, I was still walking around under being careful and wearing masks in certain situations and washing my hands and doing all of that. And uh that was really surprising to me that anyone would consider that the pandemic is over. Um I have special uh, health concerns so I'm especially careful but that mm-hmm. anybody would think that this is over that we're done that you know we can somehow go back to something that looks like a normal life and not incorporate those continued health uh, precautions into our daily life was really surprising to me.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I don't I'm honestly like having a a little one on the way. That to me is just like, no. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just put my guard down like everyone else and completely be fine. Because it was literally just a month ago where some of my friends were still getting COVID. So I'm just like, what? Why are we saying it's over if there's still people that are getting sick? It's strange to me.
1: Yeah. Uh, That any people are still getting sick means that it's not over. And Exactly. uh, Yeah. Like you, my boss had COVID uh, a couple of months ago, so.
2: Oh, my God. I'm fully vaccinated and have basically kept myself secure because I developed this, uh, I guess, phobia, I don't know. It's just a safety thing Mm. during the pandemic where because my parents are very old. So Mm. it ended up being this thing where I just kind of maintained myself at home. But once the quarantines were lifted and I had to go back to work and all that stuff, um, yeah, it, it felt like everybody kind of forgot about it and kept forgetting about it over and over time until kind of at one point where I was working, uh, the half of the restaurant went out because of COVID oh. and then two months after that, like we went back to mass and all that. And then two months after that it, I ended up getting COVID randomly and it was horrible, like getting it Ugh. is still very, very painful. And yeah, and I was not used to how bad it is because I haven't gotten it since the beginning of the pandemic. I mean, even the administration thinks of it in the preventative sense and almost like it's another type of the flu that we have to deal with every year, but it still attacks your respiratory system in a way that Mm -hmm. no other flu influenza type virus does. And so we still don't have the tools to kind of, deal with it. It's just we're expected to for it to be a normalized part of our lives now. And it's and
1: we have no information about the long term consequences.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: I mean, we're starting to get some of that information, but uh, because we're two years in, but we still don't have information about long term consequences. And um, for for someone like Dina, who's uh, who's pregnant, do we know what happens? You know, do we know how it might affect her baby long term in terms of development or anything like that? For someone like me who has special uh, considerations, do we know what's going to happen, you know, long term that this will add then another uh, chronic condition to deal with? Mm -hmm. And I wonder how this will affect uh, funding for anything. Uh, It it worries me that we will then say, oh, it's over. And so, you know, anybody who's wearing a mask in public will really get. Uh, pushback. And anybody who requires Mm -hmm. someone else to wear a mask will really get pushback. And that funding will be cut for certain programs that were put in place to support people, uh, you know, small businesses and and things to have that spacing, to have social distancing, to have any kind of precautions in, in place. Yeah.
2: So, AK, what was the biggest story for you this week? So I'm not sure if this has been covered before, but I don't know if y'all have heard about the continued struggles with the I-45 expansion project uh, mm. a few months ago, back in last, almost like last year, even it ended up being halted because it's under uh, federal investigation for, um, uh, for like budgetary concerns and different mm-hmm. other things, safety concerns, stuff like that. And so it's completely halted. And at this point, it's racking up a potential bill of up to like $9 billion. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And the problem is, is that there is a severe opposition to it. Since the beginning of the project, there's been severe opposition because the expansion is proposing to kind of disrupt the life of a thousand homeowners, homeowners, renters, small businesses, and stuff like that. So there's been an aggressive... Uh, pushback against it and really aggressive criticism towards the fact that all it is concerned with is expansion. And to a certain extent, some critics have even called it like expanding an agenda of gentrification um, Mm. uh, to kind of push out a bunch of people out of their homes and their businesses, instead of kind of being concerned with fixing the roads, rebuilding the roads, kind of building the areas yeah. around the roads, making it easier to enter and exit into highways, making it more safe and secure for people. So now in an effort, uh, TxDot, who, the, who, are, who are the people in charge of the project, are trying to push for with this uh, development company to essentially add a $737 million multimodal multi-model essentially parks they call them green space amenities so they want to add eight parks on the feeders and exits of the new layout of the i-45 to kind of add incentive to the fact that it's going to be kind of like community centers Uh, they have two in fourth ward one in third ward like they have a bunch of these and it just seems like over It's just this expansion of like, okay, where are these parks going to end up? Like, where are we building them? Are we building them like near neighborhoods where maybe new housing is needed, housing development, Mm -hmm. fixing those houses? Like, it just doesn't seem like a concerted effort to help the actual community, but just to Mm -hmm. uplift the PR of this expansion that's like it's being sued by the Harris County it's being sued by Harris County for it being an outdated model of highway expansion and kind of transportation expansion and that we should be more environmentally concerned Mm -hmm. so it's it's a mess it sounds like it's a mess it sounds like it's not going to restart anytime soon and it sounds like our roads are going to stay closed because Texas remains to be a very stubborn state at its leadership level to Mm -hmm. kind of compromise
0: yeah yeah Yeah. i also it bothers me that always the solution to congestion in the city is always just to widen highways it's like why not improve our public transportation systems you know why not build some sort of like a subway system or metro system kind of like dc that you can use and that'll take you from neighborhood to neighborhood all around the city
2: yeah we have the the model uh the model train metro system here we run through like four miles of track and then it's over but it's great for those four miles of track it is (laughs) exactly it's so good i love it i i'm a huge (laughs) proponent of public transportation there was there was a few proposals during the 2020 election for kind of allocating budgets uh for high speed rail from Houston to Dallas and expanding yes. the metro system in Houston. Like there was a bunch of really innovative public transportation pr- uh, proposals. But
0: even that proposal, the one from Houston to Dallas kind of just died. died. It didn't go
2: anywhere. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And the metro expansion is kind of like on pause because of like budgetary constraints yeah. and stuff like that. So,
1: well, I I think that you're right when you say that Texas has really stubborn leadership and, mm-hmm. uh a few years ago, the Metro leadership uh, decided to equalize. Was was I think uh, one of the terms that was used to equalize the fare system. Uh, you could buy a year's pass for a, a huge discount, or you could buy a monthly pass for a discount, or uh, you know those kinds of things. And uh, they decided that those year-long passes were discriminatory against poor people because mm-hmm. poor people could not afford a full year pass mm-hmm. because the day passes are not really uh, that much discount work that discounted. And so it was like, well, you know, uh, that discouraged a lot of people from taking the parking rides in the outer suburbs and coming in. And well, you know, if I'm going to pay the same as what I'm paying for parking, I may as well be parking, parking. yeah and bring my, yeah. bring my car in. And so, uh taking a discount away from one person does not make it any better for the person <laughs> exactly. who is needing to buy a day you know a day to day pass so mm-hmm. i think we've made a lot of errors in our, our metro yeah yeah
0: so for me the the biggest story right now is how um school libraries have banned more books in Texas than in any other state i mean this is so infuriating because the books that they're banning are tar- they're targeting essentially ones that focus on race and abortion and, you know, racism and LGBTQ representation and issues. And I'm just like, when is this going to end? And how did this become so hot, like s- such an issue that they're banning books in schools?
1: We're an easy target. The LGBTQ community is an easy target yeah. because they can very easily say, do you want for your child to read about uh, homosexuality and how Mm -hmm. to have sex and how, uh, you know, any kind of sexual description. And uh, so 41% of the books that Texas has banned have either an LGBTQ theme or an LGBTQ character.
0: Yeah.
1: So we're an easy easy target and an inflammatory target. I think that people fall for it and don't look at the individual book it's it's a real shame and mm-hmm. my understanding is that there are about 50 community groups around the state that are organized as uh and and trying to get these book bans to go through so it's a very organized concerted effort it is and they yeah. do have their target uh their targets you know race uh race theory any kind of anything like that lgbtq um just you know they've banned the bible <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, okay. <laughs> all, all right. I, I I don't get it, but okay. It
0: shocks me because I'm just like, what do they think this kind of censorship is going to actually have? I'm I don't think they really understand not just on the impact of the way that our school systems are, but the impact on the fact that students now are being seen like seeing these examples happening in their state and in their schools, and going like, okay, my school does not accept me. My school does not want me here.
1: Yes. (sighs) The school in Dallas that was um, installing In God We Trust signs Mm. in their schools, the school district,
2: and Mm -hmm. said,
1: uh, and then uh, some member of the community came along and decided to donate some more In God We Trust signs and uh, decorated them in the uh, pride flag colors, and also uh, used Arabic language to spell it out,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah. both those signs were rejected outright. Even mm-hmm. though all they said was "In God We Trust,"
0: yeah,
1: the Pride flag colors were not. It was not a Pride flag. It was just the colors taken from that that were in the background as as a as a you know just a background.
0: Yeah,
1: and uh, they were rejected. So it's very clear that saying "In God We Trust" was not the point.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. It
1: was not saying it with pride colors and not saying it in an Arabic language. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the point. Exactly.
0: So let's talk about what story did not get enough attention this week. Olivia, what do you think should have gotten more attention?
1: Uh, it was an outsmart story. Uh, I think we broke it yesterday. Mm. And it was a a trans woman walked into the Chevron on Main Street on the 4900 block of Main and uh she walked into the chevron food mart and she was carrying a purse mm-hmm. and the security guard there told her she had to leave it at the door
2: what
1: and she said you know there are other women in here and, and they're not leaving their purses at the door why do i have to because you're not a woman whoa she was dressed in jeans and a, and a top she had a, a regular purse it wasn't oversized it wasn't a backpack it wasn't anything like that um She looked like a woman. I've seen images of her. She looked like a woman to me. Mm -hmm. She looked like she was carrying a woman's purse. She looked fine. There wasn't, you know, she was not a truck driver in construction clothes carrying a purse. Mm -hmm. She was a woman carrying a purse. Mm -hmm. And at one point he said something like, I don't care what you have, meaning her sexual genitalia, but you're a man. Whoa. And uh, she recorded it and uh, she did not respond. She, hmm. she was very calm, and he got louder and louder, and and was saying very derogatory, hateful things to her. And uh, she bought a soda water, and left, and complained to Chevron. And as I that I know of, Chevron has not uh, responded to her yet. Uh, we've got the video up on our site at Outsmart.com, uh, but it was a really humiliating example of the kind of treatment that some arbitrary person feels like they can impose on you because Mm -hmm. of your sexuality or gender. And -hmm. in this case, I think especially because of your perceived sexuality or gender.
0: Right. That's the problem.
1: Horribly, horribly discriminatory. It's outrageous. It's demeaning. And, uh, you know, the poor woman, I think, handled it really well. She recorded what she could, she bought something to prove she had been in the store, so she could say to Chevron, "Look, here's my receipt." And at this time, this happened, mm-hmm. and she left. But the humiliation yeah. was entirely unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, this, she said, "This this guard uh, wears a gun."
0: Oh wow.
1: wow! And let that soak in for a second. If she had responded in any way. Uh, in an aggressive way, this could have gotten so much worse. Yeah. But one of the things is that uh, Chevron has stated on its website that they are for inclusion and LGBTQ rights. They have uh, supported LGBTQ parades and all sorts of, of things. And then to have, uh, you know, a guard who is, whether he's employed by Chevron directly or as a sub, you know, a subcontractor, uh, in their, in their, in their store, this man stood and made all these qu- kinds of horrible remarks. And so, yes, I think Chevron needs to really take a look at their training. Uh, uh, he said to her, you're not a woman. If you were a woman, I could see, but you're not a woman. So to have him, uh, Define her to have him uh say all of that is incredible, and, mm-hmm. and and at the same time, Chevron is saying diversity and inclusion is a corporate value. So either they are or they aren't.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree, and we'll have to keep that. We'll have to keep following that story. Ak, what about you? What do you feel like is a story that needs to be getting more attention?
2: Yeah, it's kind of a continuation of a story I brought up last week about um uh, greg abbott and his, it's related to greg abbott and his uh Lone star initiative at the border that is that has been criticized for being vague uh but um so there have been there has been an uptake in federal deaths in the state of texas uh in general and mm-hmm. um Instead of what a lot of experts have been advocating for and a lot of activists have been advocating for, which is systems of rehabilitation, systems of prevention, systems of like coming in at the right time and trying to uh, lower the chances of those happening. Actually, there are specific medications that are available that can save people's lives if they are under a fentanyl overdose or are dependent on fentanyl. but. It turns out that Greg Abbott in a recent press conference used that as an opportunity to kind of push his aggression first policy now in the state of Texas, Uh, Mm. his big strongman image that he wants to portray ahead of the election. Um, So he's kind of allocated all of um, uh, kind of public health and public uh, safety uh, regulation to investigating the cartels. Uh, Yeah. He has yeah. directed all police enforcement and kind of initiatives towards uh, fighting gangs and the cartel. And yeah, as a PR statement, it sounds great, but there are no results. Uh, when Ab- Even when Abbott presents his own statistics on it, he is misleading. He In one instance, Abbott credited Operation Lone at some point of seizing 887 pounds of fentanyl when actual reports reported that they confiscated less than 20% of that number. Wow. Uh, so, and it, it, it included 63 counties of them basically sweeping back and forth. Um, it seems like his policies are just vague, just uh, posturing for an election and continue this fear-mongering about immigrants, undocumented immigrants specifically, and asylum seekers trying to get into Texas making their lives a lot harder when they already have to go through so much just to prove that yep. they are in need of, a, of asylum in this country.
0: Yeah. No, I I definitely agree that that definitely needs a lot more attention. On that same thread of discrimination, for me I feel like one story that should have got more attention was the Fort Bend County judge who received like more than 100 emails of like racist and hateful mm-hmm. messages ahead of the election. I was like, I read some of those and I was like, oh my God, it just kind of scares me because we all kind of think that, at least for me, I have a lot of hope coming into this election, but seeing how much hate he's getting and given that, you know, he's like, you know, KP George is, to me, I think he's done a lot for Fort Bend County and to see how they're just bombarding him with so many hate mail is alarming
2: I'm, like, worried. Yeah, it continues to surprise me. Every I don't know why it ca- catches me off guard every time one of these mm-hmm. uh, stories. It's the amount of people that surprise. It's not that, but, like, yeah. I, I'm never, like, delusional enough to think that racism against um, any type of minority has, like, somehow vanished or that we're moving in, in, in the right direction, even though I hope we are. It's mm-hmm. the amount of people. Exactly.
0: Okay. I hope we have some moments of joy to share, because we've had such a heavy, hey, yeah. <laughs> heavy yeah. a bunch of heavy topics. Olivia, what is bringing you joy this week?
1: Um, as always, I look to the arts community to to bring me joy and enlightenment. I love that. And uh, two wonderful things are happening at uh, in the uh, theater district this weekend. And one is um, Ain't Misbehaving is over at Tut's. And it makes is a show that a lot of people have already seen that that's not, what's the, it's a great show. Uh, but what's really making this production special is that Tut's director, Monique midget. And I hope I say in her name, right. Uh, is allowing the actors to personalize their characters mm. instead of being called by the character name. Uh, they are being called by their own name Their Uh, oh. and we talked with a, uh, an actor, uh, singer, uh, david lamar and um he told outsmart that he goes by the uh pronouns he she they okay so he's very gender fluid Mm -hmm. and the character that he plays uh was originated by someone named andre de shields but andre was a male identifying character Hmm. and of course david is not um he's a gender fluid Person, And so he brings that to the character. And now this character that we've seen in uh, Ain't Misbehaving Before sings the same songs, says the same words, but adds that, uh, that range of pronouns and gender fluidity to it. And I think that's wonderful. Uh, This is an all-Black show, and he talks about how great it is to be working with a a Black cast and a Black director and, you know, talks about how wonderful that is, but also talks about being completely accepted for himself and uh, how he gets to to bring some nuance to this character that hasn't been there in other performances by other actors. Uh, Houston Ballet is also opening... Uh, Good Vibrations, which was uh, a show that was canceled because COVID a couple of years ago. And uh, Arthur Pita, who is that director, uh, that choreographer rather, is an out choreographer. And while I don't think that there's anything uh, gay about the storyline, there's no LGBTQ characters, there's no LGBTQ Mm -hmm. overtone. But the fact that Houston Ballet so openly and happily uh, welcomes out choreographers to them and says you know create whatever you would like and what he created was a very heterosexual story about a man remembering one of his first loves and and remembering it to the tune of good vibrations by the beach boys uh, so you don't always get uh you know lgbtq themes from lgbtq creators but yes. just having an out uh choreographer makes it obvious that the lgbtq community is welcomed there mm-hmm. i always think that depending who you have on stage uh determines who you have in the audience and oh, yeah. who you have in the audience should help to determine what you have on stage mm.
0: yeah i agree
2: what about you ak what's bringing you joy okay so uh, I I've I've gotten into the habit of, of bringing food into this into this segment a lot, but I think this is worth it. Uh, Keisha Griggs and Marcus Davis um, have uh, have been world-renowned chefs or and and rost- uh, for a while, Uh, but Marcus Davis is famous for The Breakfast Club, he's one of the owners and proprietors of The Breakfast Club Uh, Keisha Griggs ended up on a bunch of TV shows like Top Chef and stuff like that, and Mm -hmm. they also have another endeavor together, it's called Culture Uh, and Culture is kind of one of these new hotspots in Houston, it's kind of got this like uh, Nuevo like upscale sports bar vibe about it but Ooh, okay. um, their mission statement when they were talking to Eater wasn't about having like a new restaurant in Houston. Uh, their initiative was more about creating kind of an incubator and a creative space for black chefs to be allowed to kind of create new dishes, be able to incorporate their culture, kind of expand the breadth of like what they want creatively to do when in traditional um hot cuisine and like, and like eatery spaces that might not be available, which is a wonderful idea
0: because that's amazing.
2: Yeah, because I'm, I'm obsessed with like fine dining and all that stuff. I'm just (laughs) obsessed with anyone who tries to do something artistically. I'm not obsessed with the capitalist nature behind all of it. But this reminds me of Labouli. Loboli was, for kind of a decade, throughout the like 90s, was kind of the top-rated restaurant in the entire world. It's in Spain. Mm -hmm. It's on top of a hill. Beautiful restaurant. All that. Reservations on it took like a year and a half for you to get in.
0: Whoa.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's insane. One of the most exclusive restaurants in the entire world. But I think in the early 2000s, they decided to close their doors. And they eventually turned into what essentially is... A, a, a graduate like culinary school. So young chefs Ooh. who are trying to find their voice and their mission around the world come to Laboule if they're talented enough, I guess, according to the standards of Laboule. I don't know what they are, <laughs> but they get to come in and kind of create whatever they want, have whatever funding they need to kind of create their signature dishes, whatever they need, and then they can, can go off and start their own restaurants. And the fact that two world renowned, like, restauranteur and a, and a world-renowned chef kind of can come together and create something like that inside of houston for a minority community that is essentially the heart of soul of food culture in houston yes 100 i'm totally behind yeah. it I, I, like i'm so excited i want to go there just to see what kind of like random brand new dishes they put on the menu on there so yeah it's exciting same.
0: that sounds so yeah. good yeah, I'm so excited. For me, it's going to also be food. <laughs> not as exciting as what you were talking about, AK, but <laughs> I don't know if y'all have been to Hungry Howie's, that pizza spot. It like has pizza that have like different flavored crusts. So it's not just like your typical butter and garlic. Um, And it's really it's it's so good. I love it. There's two locations that they're opening now in Katy. So they're spreading their wings across Houston, which i'm excited about because i want more options other than the typical <laughs> Domino's and pizza hut just <laughs> yeah. i know hungry howies may not be the best for some people but that excites me getting more options of places to order around the city is yep. i'm here for it, and i'm down for it that sounds
2: exciting! Mm-hmm. I love
0: it. all right y'all this was so much fun thank you so much for joining and covering the news this week with me
1: thank you yeah. it's always fun to be with you thank you so much nice. dina
0: appreciate you that is all for this week. Y'all know my voice. It's Dina Kispet, lead producer here. Our producers are Carlion Jones and A.K. Almo. Our newsletter writer is Brooke Lewis and our host is Lisa Gray. Music is by the band All the Kimonos. A special shout out to you, the listener, for joining us this week. Now if that love runs deep. Share our show with that one person in your life who's not quite a podcast fan yet because you and I both know after listening to Citycast Houston there is no way they're not going to be a fan. We'll be back on Monday. Catch y'all then. Bye.
2: I'd take a cat over a dog any day. No offense to dog My fiancé is the same way. She's <laughs> allergic to cats and she still is going to she wants a cat over Aww, a dog. Yeah. that is like my nightmare. Imagine being allergic to those Cute and fluffy
0: things. Oh, so cute.